Hi, everybody. It's Derek, and this is your Foreign Exchanges World News Roundup for uh, going all the way back to Friday, June 23rd through Sunday, June 25th, 2023. That's what I get for skipping a day. Uh, and I get also uh, big doings transpiring in Russia, but we'll get to that uh, in a minute. Uh, there's a few anniversaries to cover. On June 23rd, 1757, a British East India Company army defeated a combined Bengali-French army at the Battle of Plassey. Uh, EIC officials managed to turn the field commander of the Bengali army, Mir Jafar, uh, by promising to elevate him to the throne, which proved key to securing victory, despite the fact that they were heavily outnumbered. Uh, after the battle... They did indeed install Mir Jafar as Nawab of Bengal and effectively annexed Bengal into the East India Company's territory, and Plessy thus became one of the key battles in establishing British control over the full Indian subcontinent. On June 24, 1812, Napoleon led his Grand Army into Russia. Despite capturing Moscow in September, this was easily his greatest military catastrophe. The Russian army simply stayed out of Napoleon's way until he was eventually forced to withdraw, at which point his army ran smack into a Russian winter for which they were evidently unprepared. Estimates of the size of Napoleon's army and thus uh, of the scale of the catastrophe vary, uh, but they range from around 450,000 men to around 685. Uh, with estimates on the number who returned from the expedition ranging from an optimistic 120,000 to as low as 70,000. The disaster was not the end of Napoleon's empire, but it was certainly a big step on the road toward its end. On June 24, 1932, a joint civilian-military junta led by the People's Party forced Siamese King Prajad Hipok, I hope I didn't mangle that too badly, to adopt constitutional reforms. The coup known as the Siamese Revolution is one of the seminal events in the history of modern Thailand as it replaced the country's centuries-old absolute monarchy with a constitutional monarchy. The legacy of the coup continues to be debated to the present day, with some arguing that the transition to constitutional monarchy would have happened anyway, without the coup. Uh, On June 24th, 1948, Soviet authorities blockaded the western portion of uh, Berlin, setting off one of the most serious crises of the Cold War. Two days later, the US, UK, and others launched the Berlin Airlift, which kept the city supplied, uh, and the Soviets had to lift the blockade in May 1949. Uh, On June 25th, 1950, the Korean War began with, by most accounts, a North Korean invasion of South Korea, though the Korean People's Army claimed that the South Korean forces had invaded their territory first. There was already a North Korean-supported insurgency in South Korea, and conflicts at the Korean border had been going on almost since the Allies liberated and partitioned the peninsula in 1945. But the U.S. decision to intervene two days later makes this June 25th incident stand out as the uh, quote-unquote official start of the conflict. The war still hasn't technically ended, uh, but the fighting stopped in 1953 in a stalemate after two failed North Korean-Chinese invasions of South Korea that were sandwiched around one failed South Korean U.S. invasion of North Korea. Uh, On to the news. In the Middle East and Syria, Russian airstrikes killed at least 13 people in northwestern Syria's Idlib province on Sunday, according to the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights. Nine of them were civilians, another 30 of whom were wounded in the attacks. These airstrikes may have been conducted in response to a number of rebel drone attacks on government-held areas over the past few days, uh, in which the SOHR says that four civilians were killed. 
on a more positive note, the United Nations uh, managed to get a convoy to bring humanitarian aid to rebel-held areas of northwestern Syria via government-held territory on Friday. Uh, this was the first convoy of its kind since January, and thus the first since that region was devastated by February's earthquake disaster. Most humanitarian relief in northwestern Syria comes via corridors open from Turkey, uh, but the Russian uh, government is con- constantly threatening to use its veto at the UN Security Council to shut that cross-border operation down and force all aid to be channeled through the Syrian government. In a similar vein, an aid group calling itself the Syrian Emergency Task Force has managed to bring a relief shipment to the uh, very rundown Rukban displaced persons camp in southern Syria. That facility is located in a no man's land around the U.S. military base at Tanf, which lies outside the Syrian government's reach. The U.S. government has been steadfastly unwilling to take responsibility for aiding Rukban's residents, uh, who numbered in the tens of thousands at one point, but are down to around 8,000 today as most left for lack of food and other basic necessities. The aid group was able to capitalize on the Denton program, which is a U.S. military initiative that allows private humanitarian organizations to hitch a ride on U.S. military transports after the Pentagon agreed to add Syria to a list of countries where that sort of thing is allowed. In Israel-Palestine, Israeli occupation forces killed a 17-year-old Palestinian militant after he reportedly fired on a West Bank military checkpoint just north of Jerusalem on Saturday. Al-Aqsa Martyrs Brigade claimed the militant as one of their fighters. In Saudi Arabia, the annual Hajj began on, in Mecca on Sunday, so best wishes to all of the uh, attendees. This pilgrimage is noteworthy for a couple of reasons. It is the first Hajj conducted without a cap on the number of pilgrims since the onset of COVID back in 2020. Saudi authorities have ramped back up from just 10,000 pilgrims that year to 59,000 in 2021 and 1 million last year. Expectations were that this Hajj would exceed 2.5 million pilgrims, which would make it the largest in history. The other major issue surrounding this Hajj is the heat. The dates for the Hajj float annually due due to the divergence between the Islamic lunar year and the solar year. And needless to say, late June in climate change and El Nino-enhanced Saudi heat is no small feat, is no small thing. Daytime temperatures are expected to remain north of 40 degrees Celsius or 104 degrees Fahrenheit for the duration of the Hajj and subsequent Eid al-Adha celebration. Uh, The Saudis say they have thousands of medical personnel on standby. In Asia and Pakistan, according to the Pakistani army, Indian security forces opened fire on a group of shepherds along the line of control that separates Indian and Pakistani Kashmir on Saturday, killing two of them. Indian and Pakistani forces are still bound by a 2021 ceasefire along the, the line of control, and it's unclear what prompted Saturday's shooting. Indian authorities have not commented, to my knowledge. Elsewhere, uh, the Islamic State claimed responsibility for an overnight shooting in Peshawar, uh, in which one Sikh individual was killed. This makes three Pakistani Sikhs killed so far this year in what seemed to be intentional attacks, it's probably safe to speculate that IS was responsible for the other two as well. 
in China. On Friday, the U.S. government confirmed that its ambassador to that country, Nicholas Burns, had been summoned by the Chinese foreign ministry and issued a formal reprimand over Joe Biden's insulting comments regarding Chinese President Xi Jinping at a Tuesday fundraiser. We covered this in the newsletter last week. Publicly, the Biden administration says it hasn't seen any substantive reaction to those comments from Beijing. But according to CNN, anonymous U.S. officials have privately expressed concerns about the effect that they might have on U.S.-Chinese relations. Uh, Elsewhere, a newly declassified report from the U.S. Office of the Director of National Intelligence finds, quote, no direct evidence, end quote, supporting the COVID lab leak theory, which posits that the pandemic emerged accidentally or otherwise out of the Wuhan Institute of Virology rather than via a natural vector. This doesn't rule out the lab leak theory, and indeed the report says the intelligence community is still, quote, unable to determine the precise origin, end quote, of the pandemic. Uh, On to Africa and Sudan, the Rapid Support Forces unit claimed on Sunday that its fighters had seized control of a central reserve police base in southern Khartoum, capturing a number of vehicles and a sizable amount of ammunition in the process. The RSF has consistently outperformed the Sudanese military on the ground, possibly because its fighters have actual combat experience, whereas most Sudanese soldiers do not. And the military has been unable to use its advantages in air and artillery power to counter uh, RSF advances. Fighting in the three-city capital area, Khartoum plus Bahri and Omdurman, has been particularly heavy since the expiration of the conflict's most recent ceasefire on Wednesday morning. Fighting is also raging across Darfur between RSF and Arab tribal forces on one side and non-Arab militias on the other. At least 12 civilians were reportedly killed over the weekend in the city of Nyala, the capital of South Darfur state, amid reports of heavy violence. Uh, In Sierra Leone, election officials are counting votes following Saturday's general election in Sierra Leone. Uh, Results may be available as soon as Monday, but already there have been complaints from opposition leaders about a lack of transparency in the tallying process. Incumbent Julius Madabio of the Sierra Leone People's Party is standing for re-election against 11 challengers, chief among them Samora Kamara of the All People's Congress Party uh, in the presidential race. Uh, They faced off, those two faced off in 2018 uh, with Bio winning a relatively slim runoff victory. Uh, Kamara is among those alleging shenanigans in the vote count, which may mean he's planning to mount a challenge if he loses. Uh, On the parliamentary side, Bio has instituted a new proportional election system uh, in place of the previous first-past-the-post format along with a very high 12% minimum threshold for seating in the legislature. This should favor large establishment parties like the uh, SLPP and the APC over smaller rivals. Uh, There is an update to this story, actually, as I was uh, just before I released tonight's newsletter. APC officials, uh, according to the New York Times, are accusing Sierra Leone's security officials of attacking their party headquarters in Freetown, as well as a crowd of supporters gathered outside on Saturday night. Uh, There definitely appears to have been some sort of violent clash outside the party office, though claims that security forces fired live ammunition into the crowd are unconfirmed. There's no word on casualties to my knowledge, and there's been no comment 
from Sierra Leone's authorities. So just a little update to that story uh, that was uh, sort of a last-minute addition here. Uh, in Mali, uh, Malian election authorities announced on Friday that 97% of voters had approved a package of constitutional changes in last Sunday's referendum. Turnout was a meager but not entirely embarrassing 39.4%. The amendments would, among other things, strengthen the office of the Malian presidency, most likely paving the way for current junta leader Asimi Goita to seamlessly assume that office when said junta gives way to a nominally civilian government next year. In Nigeria, Islamist militants are believed to have been responsible for killing eight farmers and abducting 10 other people in northeastern Nigeria's Borno state on Thursday. There's no indication as to whether these were Boko Haram or Islamic State West Africa province fighters. Uh, and in Kenya, Ashabab militants from Somalia are believed to have been responsible for killing five people in eastern Kenya's Lamu County on Saturday. The attackers struck two villages, looting homes for food in the process. Lamu is located close to the Somali border and has seen a number of Ashabab attacks over the past several years. Uh, in Europe, in Russia... I'm really not sure how much more there is to say about Saturday's brief revolt by members of Russia's Wagner Group private military company, led by their boss, Yevgeny Prigozhin. As I noted yesterday, with about 5,000 of his mercenaries some 200 kilometers outside of Moscow, uh, Prigozhin abruptly agreed uh, to pack up and go into what looks like exile uh, in Belarus. Uh, the bulk of his fighters left the city of Rostov-on-Don, uh, where earlier in the day they'd occupied Russia's southern military district offices and returned uh, to their encampments uh, in eastern Ukraine. Uh, in return, based on what the Russian government has said publicly so far, criminal charges that had been opened against Prigozhin were dropped, and Wagner fighters who participated in the mini-insurrection have been assured they will not be prosecuted. My thinking yesterday was that there had to be more to this agreement that wasn't being made public, and I still believe that, although uh, I will say with a bit more time to consider how things unfolded, I also think it's very possible Prigozhin found himself in over his head and panicked. It's still unclear what he thought seizing a Russian city and marching on Moscow would achieve, but if he was hoping either to force Vladimir Putin to fire Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu and Military Chief of Staff uh, Valery Gerasimov, uh, with whom Prigozhin has been feuding for months, uh, or to win over disaffected elements of the Russian security establishment to his cause, he came up empty on both counts. Approaching a real point of no return outside Moscow, Prigozhin may have leapt at whatever deal Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko offered during their phone chat. Uh, again, though, there may also have been some sweetener involved that hasn't been made public, perhaps a payout for Prigozhin or the promise of some future benefits. Uh, a lot of questions are swirling about what it all means, if it means anything, and nobody will know the answers to those questions for some time to come, and I would question anybody who tries to tell you that they do. Uh, Shoigu and or Gerasimov could still wind up being fired, although Putin at this point would look weak if he removed either, so they're probably safe for the time being. Uh, the Wagner Group seems like it will be dissolved, uh, but how is Moscow going to transition its global operations? Uh, Prigozhin had been refusing to sign a contract with the defense ministry, which may have threatened Wagner's future anyway and almost certainly contributed to his uprising. U.S. intelligence agencies apparently assessed several days ago the tension over the contract, along with Prigozhin's other beefs with Russian military leadership, were heading towards some sort of breaking point. Uh, my point here 
is that it's possible the Russians were already planning to move on from Wagner before this weekend's events. Uh, then there are, of course, the big picture think pieces wondering, or in some cases, uh, wish casting about the uprising having dealt a fatal blow to Putin's rule in Russia. I would suggest that anyone engaging in that sort of talk is getting way out ahead of events and additionally should consider the potential ramifications of serious political instability in the country with the world's largest nuclear arsenal. I don't think there's anything particularly to cheer about right now with this story. Uh, in Ukraine, there's little indication that the Wagner dust-up has impacted the Russia's war effort there. The Russian military kept up a st steady bombardment of Ukrainian cities over the weekend, for one thing. And for another, there's seemingly been no major progress by the Ukrainian military in its grand counteroffensive. Indeed, the counteroffensive's overall lack of progress is becoming harder to dismiss, with even, uh, and I'm quoting here, two Western officials and a senior U.S. military official uh, end quote, indicating to CNN on Friday that the effort is, quote, not meeting expectations on any front, end quote. The combination of well-established Russian defensive positions and Russia's air superiority appears to be more challenging than, challenging than the Ukrainians expected. Uh, in fairness, nobody seems ready to declare the counteroffensive a failure yet, and the Ukrainians themselves insist that the main thrust of the operation still hasn't begun. In Greece, as expected, the conservative New Democracy Party won an overwhelming victory in Sunday's snap parliamentary election, taking 40.5% of the vote uh, to finish well clear of second place Syriza at 18%. Uh, New Democracy won with a similar margin in last month's parliamentary election, but because of the rules under which that election was contested, its vote total did not translate into an outright majority of legislative seats. This time around, under different rules crafted to favor larger parties, New Democracy should finish with around 158 seats in the 300-seat parliament. The victory means that former, I put this in quotes, Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis, who by law had to step down after the May vote in order to force the snap election, will resume that post. So I say former, he's really only going to be out of a job, out of that job for maybe a month and a half tops. Uh, on to the Americas in Guatemala, voters headed to the polls on Sunday for a general election. Votes are still being counted, but all indications are they'll be headed back to the polls in August for a runoff in the pre presidential race between former First Lady Sandra Torres and somebody, uh, most likely either diplomat Edmund Mulet Mulet or former congressperson Zuri Rios, uh, Torres, it sounds like, uh, may struggle to defeat either head-to-head -head once it's a one-on-one -on -one competition. Uh, in Panama, with heavy rains expected to help replenish the drought-stricken Panama Canal, authorities have decided to hold off on imposing new depth restrictions on shipping vessels entering the channel. We talked about those restrictions in Thursday's newsletter. Those restrictions could be revisited, of course, if water levels in the canal start dropping again. Uh, and finally, in the United States, writing for the New York Times, a uh, friend of the newsletter, Stephen Wertheim, uh, questions the logic behind the push to bring Na Ukraine into NATO. Uh, I'll just read you the first couple paragraphs of his piece. Sometimes the stories we tell to win the war help us lose the peace. After the 9-11 attacks, the United States decided the Taliban government in Afghanistan was as culpable as the Al-Qaeda terrorists who struck America. It then spent 20 years trying to keep the Taliban entirely 
entirely out of power, only to cede the whole country to them. The story we are telling ourselves today about the war in Ukraine runs its own risk. Since Russia invaded Ukraine last year, the debate in Western capitals about the origin of the conflict settled on one leading cause. Russia took up arms exclusively out of aggression and imperialist drives, and Western policies, including the years-long expansion of NATO, were beside the point. When NATO weighs Ukraine's prospects for membership at its summit in Vilnius, Lithuania next month, it must recognize that the war has more complex causes than this popular narrative suggests. Without question, Russia is committing horrific, inexcusable aggression against Ukraine and imperialist attitudes in Moscow run deep. But partly because of those attitudes, Russia's leaders are also reacting to NATO's expansion. Folding Ukraine into the alliance won't end that impulse, even with U.S. backing and the nuclear guarantee it brings. Ukraine's best path to peace is to be well-armed and supported outside NATO. Certainly something to think about. And with that, tonight's extra long update is at a close. Thank you for bearing with me. Uh, and uh, thank you all for reading, as always, for reading and or listening to the newsletter. And especially those of you who are foreign exchanges subscribers and paid foreign exchanges subscribers. If you are not one of those, please do consider it. Uh, you get a lot more coverage. Uh, of this sort of stuff and you help support the newsletter and make sure it can keep going. And uh, that is uh, as always very greatly appreciated um, until next time, take care and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.